up this phase. Just trying to holler at y'all and see what's going on. Had a lot on my mind reminiscing, trying to figure out these things that are going on my mind. Trying to figure out some puzzles. I'm not here to start nothing. I ain't trying to start nothing. Just got some things that I want to get done. Some things that I want to get solved. Some things I want to enlighten myself with. So maybe y'all take a time and to get the opportunity to stop by and listen to my thoughts. Hope so. Very intellectual. So if you get time, just holler at me. I'm reminiscing all in my room. Just trying to figure out a whole lot of things. Until then, y'all have a great day. And thank you for coming in and listening to me. Thanks. I'ma keep it like an island boy. I'ma keep it like an island boy. I'm just trying to make it. And I'm an island boy. I'ma keep it like an island boy. I'm an island boy. I'm just trying to make it. And I'm an island boy. I'ma keep it like an island boy. These streets keep calling me. They don't want me to leave the light behind. Staring at the stars, wishing I had the time. But my kids need food and my girl needs me. Sometimes I dream that I'm finally free So baby, don't play me, I ain't no toy I'm a prisoner here, but I still make noise And I'm a child that I'm bowing with all my boys I'm a street kid now, but one day I'll be an island boy I'm just trying to make it, I'm an island boy Island boy, I'm an island boy What's happening over in Europe, but in the United States, our government is completely captured by corporations. And the military-industrial complex, at the snap of a finger, can get $100 billion sent to the most corrupt country in Europe. And we don't even know where that money's going. In fact, not only are we don't not know where it's going, but when people want to track the money, people in power in the United States, in our Congress, block that legislation at the behest of the military-industrial complex. So we can't even track where that... So this is 100% corruption, and that's the thing about Americans, they don't realize that. They think their government is regular corrupt. Like, oh, Trump gave his son a job. Biden gave his son a job. That's regular corruption. What they don't realize is that the whole entire war is corrupt. It's all one big grift. What they don't realize is the entire military-industrial complex is a big grift. We spend ten times more in our military than the rest of the goddamn world combined. We are completely corrupted in America. This is not any... People try to say, oh, we have to vote to save our democracy we haven't had democracy in the united states for decades and that is not hyperbole your government your democracy was stolen from you decades ago right which is why half the country is poor low income 80 percent of workers live paycheck to paycheck 50 percent of wage earners are less than three thirty thousand dollars a year nobody has we still don't have health care in america you go bankrupt if you get sick you get bankrupt if you go to if you go to college and we're spending endless trillions of dollars on empire and war while we still have people living under every bridge you know I get up in comedy clubs in Los Angeles where people don't know I'm gonna be there so they're not my fans so when I get on stage I'm talking to regular people across section of America and I'll say hey you know isn't it amazing we can send a hundred billion dollars to Ukraine and you know if we're sending a hundred billion dollars in weapons to a country it's because we care about their people everybody laughs when I say that and then I say I don't care if they send a hundred billion dollars to Ukraine I just wish they would send a hundred billion dollars to the United States and the crowds go crazy because they realize we're living in a completely corrupted society. So what we need now is for people to lose all hope in the system. So what the AOC and Bernie Sanders are there to do is to keep you believing that the system is going to somehow serve you. It is not. The system is there to crush you while it extracts wealth upwards, which is exactly what they did with COVID. They did a thing called the CARES Act. That was their legislation legislation to help people during COVID. What it was was a $5 trillion grift that took money from the U.S. Treasury and gave it to the richest couple of thousand people in the country. You know, in other countries, when they did lockdowns, they made sure the workers got their paycheck. You know, they didn't do that in the United States. They did it in every other country except here. They just locked you down. Then they promised they were going to give you $2,000 in relief, and they didn't even do that. They gave you $1,400. So they've been crushing people in America. And what the 
what the establishment has been doing, they implemented a, a controlled demolition of our economy. And what they want you to do is blame your neighbor for the pain you're feeling because of that, because your neighbor wouldn't take a vaccine that didn't work the way they said it did in the first place. Well, I'm not going to hate my neighbor, and I'm not going to blame my neighbor for the pain I'm feeling because he's being crushed just like everybody else by the same oligarchs. I'm going to join with my neighbor, and I'm going to oh, oppose the oligarchy. The dominance which they enjoyed in the world for at least five centuries is fading away. Multipolar world is emerging. Powers like China, India, Turkey, Egypt, Africa as, as a huge, rich continent. And many people say that this is the future of the, of the world. Latin America, of course, Brazil, Argentina, Mexico. Those powerhouses of their respective regions and to a large extent uh, for the world economy, as China and India are, uh, you cannot ignore them. And you cannot uh, dictate to them uh, that they should develop the way which will continue to enrich the West. It's not a question of Ukraine, Russia, or even the European continent. It's not, it's much, it has much more, it has much more scale. And I would like to say, you asked about the tanks, about the decision of the United States to supply tanks. I think everything is clear. Such a position concerns everyone. I believe that the only one country poses, or even neutral, I think it's Germany, which a card of a neutral. This is um, another story. We all remember what are German tanks. These are machines which became a symbol not only of death, not only of deathly, deathly ideology, it be, they became a symbol of misanthropy as a global existential threat to the planet. When you read about Nazism and fascism about those times in the Second World War, I think that these SS uniform and these very German tanks and symbols of the Third Reich had become a global symbol of the fall of the humankind into this abyss of hatred and horror and massacre. All of us, back then and after it, were saved by the soldiers of the Red Army and anti-Hitler coalition. These young soldiers and all those who on the ground engaged there as medical officers. It was exactly the German tanks which became the symbol, anti-symbol I would say. which will be uh, stay in the memory of a humankind forever. Now these German tanks will once again be on our land. They think so. They have such a task. They received such a task. So what Berlin expects? That this armored vehicle with all its symbols back then and now that it will Across our villages and settlements, we remember the end of that times. Does Berlin remember? The main thing, they should understand that no moral right to supply their armored equipment they have no. I would like to draw attention to the words voiced in Bundestag when one deputy declared 
while addressing to Mr. Schultz. He said that this is a historical day, that Schultz has just destroyed all the foundations of the German uh, foreign policy foundations, and Germany bears all responsibility for the victims of the Second World War. He meant 6 million Jews, as well as 20 million men, women, and children who died on the territory of the Soviet Union. He also reminded in Bundestag building that the precursors, the great precursors of the current authorities, I mean Willy Brandt, Germit Schmidt, Now, this is a point of view of the Germans, not mine. Had made a lot for the peace and reconciliation. As the German deputy Willy Brandt received even a Nobel Prize of the world, the slogan never meant denial to supply weapons in the zones of conflict. It has always been a core of the foreign policy of Germany, as mentioned by the German politician. But um, people want to remain in the history in various ways. Germany understands that no moral or legal or ethical right it has to, to supply armored vehicles and tanks to kill the Russian people. Berlin just has no such rights. When they say Russians, we have enough videos when in the Ukrainian armed forces, these very young men were pushed to the front line because they were made, they were persecuted along Ukraine by this Nazi regime who stay in their protected areas, that they speak Russian. Don't you understand that? The peoples, the members of the one even family confronted and made a kind of a belligerent parties. Then even a mother can feel all the pain when, when one her son is on one side and another is on the other side of the war because everything had been done for many years in order to destroy Ukraine, taking into account its complicated history, its multinational composition, and the first years of this so-called independence and freedom, which many people dreamt of, which should start not from the abuse, but from the responsibility. And right now, these bloody dividing lines through the hearts of many people in these regions they will be felt by the German tanks Nolov Schultz uh, dared to make this step why? Let's be honest, there are historical figures in the world, and there are nobodies. There are people that are ready to sacrifice a lot for their beliefs and their convictions, not because they're proud of them, not because they think of themselves exceptional but because they understand that this is humanity. And on the other hand, there are those people that have the political gravitas and the material capabilities and the necessary support from the electorate, but they don't have the spirit to make the correct choices and not repeat the mistakes of the ancestors that the German people paid a huge price for. I would like to remind Mr. Schultz 
I'm not even talking about Madame Madeleine de It's just useless. But Schultz was uh, troubled in his decision. Perhaps he doesn't know. But when German POWs were in the territory of the USSR after the end of the war, they were not mistreated in a way that our soldiers and our POWs and civilians were mistreated by Germans. They were those German soldiers were fed by the very people that had nothing to eat for years. Those people fed them. And you know, Mr. Schultz, my grandmother, for her entire life, was looking at bread as the most precious dish told me how this post-war bread that was scarce was used by Soviet people to feed German POWs that Till your f and therefore I've said already in the last days yes we have to do more to defend Ukraine yes we have to do more also on tanks but the most important and the crucial part is that we do it together and that we do not do the blame game in Europe because we are fighting a war against Russia and not against each other. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Minister. And then news conference this morning. NBC6 Shirley Busico was there and she joins us now live from police headquarters sharing details. Shirley? Dan and Jackie, I spoke with two local activists after this morning's press conference at the Streetport Police Department, and simply put, they just want justice for Alonzo Bagley. 43-year-old Alonzo Bagley was killed late Friday evening after a confrontation with Streetport Police. My heart bleeds with the family um, because another loss, life, has taken place here within within our city. Activists um, here in Shreveport say they want justice. Um, me and Team Wynn was at the family house. The 15-year-old daughter was like, I'm traumatized. He shot my daddy in front of me, shot my daddy in his, in his chest. Terrence Wynn and Briga people say they have been with Bagley's family at the Villa Norte apartments since Saturday morning. They come here with their guns, Drew. They ask the wife, do y'all have any weapons? The wife said, no, we don't own any weapons. So they got their guns drawn him. He's like, I ain't got nothing. But the man is kind of aggressive. So he ran. He jumped out the window and ran. He ran a few steps and he fell. Cause he's he in his house. He fell. When he fall, he go on his back and he got his arms up. And the officer stood over and shot him. 23-year-old Streetport Police Officer Alexander Tyler has been placed on administrative leave after the fatal shooting. He was hired by the Streetport Police Department in May of 2021. This tragic loss of life impacts us all and we want you to know that we are here, that we are expedient and we are standing along the side of the Police Chief, Louisiana State Police, City Marshal's Office and this family. Justice for us is to to be treated equally. Justice for us is to not die because we black. Justice for us is to not have our women having to cry, us having to get buried because we got black skin. Somebody to make this make sense. The Los Angeles District Attorney's Office announced they won't be filing charges against the Englewood police officers who shot and killed a black couple who were sleeping inside their car in 2016. Once again, for those in the back, who were sleeping inside their car. Officers found Keisha Michael and Markenton Sandlin asleep in their car, and the officers claim Michael had a gun in her lap. They spent 30 minutes trying to wake them up, and when Sandlin eventually woke up, Officer Richard Parcella claims he saw him reach for the gun and shot at him five times. Michael then tried to exit the vehicle, and the officers claimed she was also reaching for the gun, so they shot at her 13 times. Both died at the scene. The officers claimed they feared for their lives, but they had 30 minutes to assess the threat level and no backup was called. 
highly unlikely. Now the district attorney claims, we do want to be clear, the burden of proof for prosecution is high. Our decision does not mean what happened is right. Even we don't think it was right, we just not gonna do anything about it. God made the man and woman to be together in unity. And so it is impossible for us as black women to attend church and say that we love and worship God when we disrespect our own man who is in the image of God because God is a man. And our men may be the closest representative of that kind of masculinity of God that we ever meet. And uh, that we should stop using our children to punish our men. We should stop disrespecting our men in front of our children. Sometimes we talk badly about them. It makes the child get a different idea about the father just because of our personal relationship. And that we should start trying to be a little bit more patient, tolerant, and courteous. And those are some attributes that we have kind of gotten away from because we're on this speed thing of trying to make a living. And uh, as I said, I'm not saying that he's right, but if we become better women, he's got to become a better man. Our allies are keeping a close eye on the Russian frigate as she deviates course and reportedly sails towards the U.S. coast. The warship, called the Admiral Gorshkov, is armed with Zircon missiles, which Russian President Vladimir Putin claims has no equivalent in the world. Now, escorted through British waters by the Royal Navy and French and Spanish ships, and then through the Atlantic, the frigate was scheduled to head uh, down, the, down the coast of Africa, but as you can see, she's taken a right turn there. But monitoring sites claim that it took a sudden diversion and then headed towards Bermuda now. So the Russian Defense Ministry today announced that the testing of its strike capabilities uh, did happen in the Western Atlantic Ocean. Today, we conducted a shipborne exercise to simulate a striking against a surface level enemy target. Hypersonic Zircon weapons were used at a distance of over 900 kilometers. The effectiveness was one, meaning that in our configuration, the electronic simulated launch of the missiles and the work of the ship's combat unit featured in this system were configured. Now, these tests are a concern because Zircon missiles have a range of 560 miles and can travel at nine times the speed of sound. The Admiral Gorshkov is meant to be participating in joint exercises with the navies of China and South Africa at the point city of Tartus in Syria. But since the deviation of the Russian frigate, it is unknown whether these joint exercises will actually go ahead down near Syria now. Tonight over a suspected Russian spy ship just off Hawaii, the U.S. Coast Guard now says it is tracking this ship. So how close is it and what it's doing there? Arthur Raditz and what she's learned tonight. Tonight, the U.S. Coast Guard carefully monitoring this Russian ship prowling the waters off of the Hawaiian Islands. And not just any ship, a vessel the Coast Guard says is believed to be an intelligence gathering ship, a spy ship. Ships loitering in an area is abnormal. And with this one being a Russian vessel off one of our key naval harbors in the Pacific, that will be of concern to the naval leadership. Indeed, Joint Base Pearl Harbor is one of the Navy's busiest, with some of the most sophisticated and secret warships in its arsenal. It's where we boarded a boat that took us to a nuclear-armed ballistic missile submarine last year off Hawaii's coast. The submarines do not like to stay above water for long because then they are detectable. Exactly the kind of submarine the Russians could try to learn more about by dropping a tracking device underwater. But there is another possibility, sabotage. It could be mapping some of our critical infrastructure that comes in and out of Hawaii. You know, fiber optic internet and communication cables, for example. The Russians have a right to be in international waters, but making the concern public lets the Russians know we're carefully watching. And David, the Coast Guard tells me that the Russian vessel has been moving anywhere from 100 miles off the Hawaiian coast to close enough to shore where you can see it with binoculars. David? Binoculars, that's quite something. Martha Raddatz tonight. Martha, thank you. Tonight over suspected. 
So if they take away cash and make everything digital, and digital currency is central bank digital currency, obviously you have no power whatsoever if they don't like what you're doing. They just shut you down and you're impoverished. It just happened in Canada last winter, so we know what the consequences are. We know why they want it. So that couldn't happen, right? Well, we may live to see the day that it does happen. And here's the latest sign that it may be happening. The number of banks and ATM machines in this country are in steep decline. Far fewer than there were just a few years ago. And in some countries like Australia, they're going way at high speed. So this is not something that anyone voted on. This is something that they're just doing, whether you like it or not. So you can say we have cash, but if you can't get cash, then do you really have cash? So where's this going? That's the question we want to assess tonight. And we're going to with Catherine Austin Fitz, who has been monitoring this. She found the Solari Report. She's also the Assistant Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. And we're happy to have her. Catherine, thanks for coming on. So I think if you put this up to a vote nationally, most people would say, no, you know, I may not use cash, but I'd like to have cash because if there's no cash, then I have no control over my life. But it seems like this could be a way to affect the same outcome without a vote. So, Tucker, the, the, one of the bedrocks of freedom is freedom to do financial transactions, including privately, or freedom to do where you want to do and wherever you want to do. And unfortunately, as the financial system has become more and more digital, you see more and more not only invasive surveillance, but more and more controls. You referred to Canada, perfect example. And the digital currencies and vaccine passports or digital IDs are sort of the last uh, shutting of the gate. It's hard for many people to imagine the risks here because we're so used to living with financial transaction freedom and we don't understand that when this gate closes on us, we literally will be sitting in a system where the central banks believe that our assets belong to them and they can dictate where we can spend money and what we can spend money on. Um, the important thing to understand is central bank digital currencies are not currencies. It's a financial transaction control grid and it gives the ability for the central bankers and they've said this publicly the ability to not only set set the rules centrally but enforce the rules centrally if you don't behave you can have your money turned off you, you, you keep hearing people on television say cash is for criminals why would you need cash if you're not doing something bad why are so few financial journalists pointing out that actually if cash goes away, so does any power you might have had over your own life? Well, I, I find a lot more journalists are beginning to understand and are beginning to not only write about this and talk about this, but do documentaries. We just had a new documentary done here out of the Netherlands called State of Control, which does a great job of explaining the invasive nature of this control grid. Um, I think... It's very hard for people who've grown up and enjoyed Western liberty and, and human liberty to imagine literally that we're going into a system where literally our homes, our cars, our communities become digital concentration camps. So if you've enjoyed liberty, it's very hard to you know, perceive this iceberg before you hit it. And that's why it's so important, and I commend you for, for talking about CBDCs, because we need to not let the propaganda uh, propaganda persuade us that one, this is convenient, or two, that we need this, or three, we need to understand the not only the dangers of CBDCs, but the opportunities if we start to reverse financial tyranny. We've seen the financial system yeah. engineered using the federal credit to increase inequality and centralize political and economic control, and it's shrinking our wealth and it's shrinking our economy. You know, we have debt growing and central control growing much faster than the GDP. That can be reversed. So the opportunity of rejecting financial tyranny and, and financial transaction control is so important. And all over the United States, there are great state legislatures working on legislation and passing legislation to protect our right to use cash, um, increasingly talking about state bullion depositories, state sovereign banks. There are many people doing this. And if you look at what they're doing, when it succeeds, it can really, it can really reinvigorate our economy. Economy. And so don't forget well, the opportunity of rejecting this. Right. I think when people understand it, it, that's the first step.
I mean, folks, let me tell you something. I'm not an alarmist, but I've got to sound some alarms because, listen, we better wake up now. Because what is going on in Florida is freaking frightening and ridiculous, and we better pay attention. Because right now, listen, already... They've banned the teaching of the AP Black History course, saying it's illegal. That true black history, the divulging of systemic racism throughout the history of our country, all that, whoa, it's illegal. We can't even have it. We can't even teach it. We can't even have that knowledge anymore. That's illegal. Are you kidding me? And now they are actually banning books to the point where it's a felony if a teacher has an unapproved book actually in their room. Can you believe this? Folks, we have got to wake up. They are making it illegal to have certain books in the classroom and they're gonna punish teachers and even a librarian who messes up. Punishable up to five years in prison, a felony crime. Are you not paying attention to this? And now, listen, Girls who want to play sports in school have to divulge their menstrual cycles. Are you freaking out of your mind? And not just that, those records, folks, listen, pay attention. Those records are not being protected in a medical company, right? No, 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 no. There's no HIPAA laws that are going to apply to those medical records so that what can happen? Guess what? The state of Florida could actually subpoena those records. Folks, listen. We have got to freaking wake up. I mean, that, listen, if you want to know what you would have been doing back when Nazi Germany was rising to power and Hitler was rising to power, if you want to know what you would have been doing back then, just look at what you're doing now. Because I'm wondering, I'm watching, I'm not in Florida. But let me tell you something, Florida is a test run. It is a test run to see how far these freaking fascist, egomaniac, Christian religious extremists, right-wing 
Listen, it's a test to see how far they can push it and what's going to be done. And let me tell you something. You may not be in Florida, but this is coming to a state and a city near you if it isn't already there. And we better freaking wake up. And I'm wondering, where are the wealthy progressives right now? Funding the, 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 the ability for this to be taught if they're not going to let in a school to, to rent public spaces, conference centers, make it so that people can come on the weekends and learn this information. Where are those people? Where are they out in the streets and demanding that this be changed? Where, where's the rage? Where's the, where's the, because listen, folks, it's coming. They're not going to stop. If it's a felony now for a book, just imagine what it's going to be in a few weeks, a few months. If it's illegal, if girls are having to report their menstrual cycles just to play sports, what's it going to be next? Folks, I've been a conservative evangelical. I was for 20 some years. I know these people and I know how they operate and I know it's not about Jesus. It's not about faith. It's not about anything. It's not about morality. It's not about life. It's not about, about, you know, babies and it has, listen, it's not about that. It's about one damn thing. It's power and control over you. And we better wake up. We are dealing with the end of the world that we know. Russia is a more of a symptom of this than a cause. This really is the end of the world. The end of the world we understand, yeah. We're, we're going back to something that's a lot more similar to the world as it existed in the early 1900s. The closest would be the Black Plague. But the Chinese are going to lose a greater percentage of their population in the next 20 years than Europe did during the, the Black Plague. And you think by famine? Uh, this assumes no famine. This is just aging. Just aging. Yeah, if you have an energy breakdown or a food breakdown, it happens a lot faster. And they have energy issues and they have food issues. They are the world's largest importer of energy, about 14 million barrels a day. Remember, we're a net exporter. And they are the world's largest fooder, importer of food and food inputs. That's it? That, that, that's as good as it's going to get because there is no trade option out of this without the United States. But how does China come through this, though? They don't. So what happens to them if they don't? Well, I mean, this is one of the wild things and the hard parts of my job. It falls into famine. It falls into tyranny. You get hundreds of millions of people suffering from malnutrition and then ultimately dying. Um, this, the coast goes one way. The interior kind of breaks off and shatters. And then the cities of the coast in the south, your Shanghai, your Fujian, your Guangzhou, your Hong Kong, they basically become independent city-states and integrate with foreign powers primarily in order to get food. With the Russians having their problems, the Russian space is the world's largest single supplier fertilizer of all types. So we are already knee-deep in a fertilizer crisis globally. The Chinese are the last in line for all of this stuff. 90% of the calories they produce are dependent upon a foreign support system. In the United States, it's less than 10. Um, we, we produce most of what we need locally, and most of the rest comes from Canada. But you interrupt the food supply chain in any meaningful way, and China is only one of a host of countries that has some very real problems. Now, China faces the biggest one in terms because of the size of their population. Uh, second, I will say there are seven different variants circulated in Beijing right now, or in China right now. Three of them did not exist two or three months ago. And it takes about six months of data for you to get good information on the r naught and the lethality. So we just don't know. They're also in, they're in the middle of the worst aspect of the pandemic for them ever. Yeah. Now, which is very strange for us because <laughs> we're on the other end of it. And if you have a food or an energy crisis or God forbid both at the same time on top of a health crisis, on top of government incompetence, there is no way a central government holds together in that sort of environment is that they're going to lose a million and a half people because there's no one to listen to anymore. That's one of the fun things about Russia versus China. And it's very difficult for the Xi administration to even run it because it's not an administration anymore. No one wants to bring Xi information on anything. We now have tech barricades that prevent the Chinese from buying the equipment, the tools, or the software that's necessary to make semiconductors. In fact, he went so far as to say any Americans working in the sector have to either quit or give up their American citizenship. Every single one of them either quit or was transferred abroad within 24 hours.
So the tech system is stalled. They don't have the young people to go consumption-led. They're completely dependent on the U.S. Navy to access international trade. They are the most vulnerable country in the world right now. And based on how things go with Russia, we're looking at a significant amount of raw materials falling off the map, specifically food and energy. And the Chinese are the world's largest importer of both of those things. Without young people, we've seen their labor costs increase by a factor of 14 since the year 2000. So Mexican labor is now one-third the cost of Chinese labor. Their educational system focuses on memorization over skills. So despite a trillion dollars of investment and a bottomless supply of intellectual property theft, they really haven't advanced technologically in the last 15 years. Uh, Mexican labor is probably about twice as skilled as Chinese labor now, even though it's one-third the cost. Uh, They've consolidated into an ethnic-based, paranoid, nationalistic cult of personality. Even if the Chinese were able to capture Taiwan without firing a shot, it doesn't solve anything for them. They're still food importers, they're still dependent upon the United States, they're still energy importers, and even if they take every single one of those semiconductor fab facilities intact, they don't know how to operate them, because they can't operate their own. And their own are among the worst in the world, not the best. If you know that the economic situation is going to go to pot, then you have a couple of options. Option one is you try to cut a deal with a country that can help you out, but the only country that could do that is the United States. So with that sort of environment and ocean moats, the United States is an economic power, whoever who is in charge. I mean, we've, we've had decades of bipartisan effort to try to screw this up and we haven't pulled it off yet. We're not gonna do it in the, under Biden. He doesn't have the energy. This was a local vaccine, but the University of Queensland vaccine um, will not be able to proceed. 50 million planned doses scrapped after triggering false positive results for HIV. As in science, things don't always go right. It's certainly a tough day for, for the team. The UQ vaccine applied a molecular clamp closing the coronavirus spikes using an HIV protein which falsely triggered infection markers. Everybody who had the vaccine uh, did show some level of false positive result. One of them, Mel Stott. I can totally understand where they're coming from, but I still have no concerns about my health or anybody else's health. The vaccine was proving effective in trials and the participants were at no risk, but... The risk to vaccine confidence was the principal issue here. Vaccine expert Professor Nikolai Petrovsky says he raised the alarm early. Our feeling was it, it, it was too experimental a technology to be rolled out. No warnings were ignored at all. Professor Murphy says the risk of false positives was always known but considered small. Unfortunately, it just became a bigger problem than anyone had anticipated. Research I came across convincing evidence that their plan actually includes the elimination of the majority of the world's population. As sick as it sounds, it makes sense that they would be better positioned to succeed in their quest for absolute control if there are fewer of us to manage. Every time I thought they wouldn't do that, I discovered I was wrong. I found startling documentation that eugenics is one of the core pillars of their plan. Eugenics is the practice where some people get to decide who's worthy to breed and who's not. Sterilization is one of the many insidious ways this covert plan is being implemented. In 1904, the Carnegies funded the first eugenics laboratory in Cold Spring Harbor, Long Island. The Rockefellers funded involuntary sterilization of people of color through their eugenics programs and funded the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute in Germany to further the racial supremacy agenda later adopted by Hitler. In 2007, the U.S. Department of Agriculture and Homeland Security funded a proposed project to aerial spray over 7 million people in urban areas of Northern California. After citizens organized against the plan, Officials were forced to reveal that the spray included multiple toxins that can cause disease and disrupt the reproductive cycle. Fortunately, civil resistance stopped the project. The U.S. government has been caught over 30 times covertly experimenting with toxic chemicals on its own citizens, from soldiers, prisoners, and Native American reservations to entire towns and counties. 
Mass covert sterilization of women and girls, usually using secret additives to vaccines, has been exposed in Brazil, Puerto Rico, Nicaragua, Mexico, and the Philippines. These have been under the auspices of such programs as John D. Rockefeller's Population Council, the U.S. Department of Health, Education, and Welfare, where Nelson Rockefeller was undersecretary, and the Rockefeller-founded World Health Organization. Novartis and Syngenta, in cooperation with the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the Department of Defense, have field-tested a spermicidal strain of GMO corn that would render male consumers infertile. This was quietly announced as a contribution to the world overpopulation problem. The list goes on and on. Right now, global human fertility is plunging. I'm convinced that this is no accident. For me, being willing to consider and research a direct depopulation agenda was critical to my getting the whole picture and to generate... Now, why is this not being known more widely in America? Why is this being swept under the rug? We have a gigantic industry in the United States and in the West, which is determined to limit black people to a slave mentality, to tell them you've been slaves, and the only way you're ever going to get out of that is to rely on the slave mentality of the socialistic welfare democratic system, which is going to subsidize your manumission ever further. Well, as we know, no one ever gets out of his own bondage by someone else doing it for you. It's by your own work that you bring yourself out of bondage. The elite do, when you see that you're outnumbered by black and white folks who are penniless, landless, peasants, you have to do one of two things. You either have to kill them all, but you can't do that because who's going to work? Rich folks weren't going to. They had to get poor people to work. The whole point was to be a person of leisure back in those days. That was the goal, was not to work. So you couldn't kill them all, you didn't want to kill them all, you had to do the work yourself, not to build your own levy, build your own house. No, pick your own tobacco, harvest your own cotton, no, we're not going to do any of that. So you can't kill them, but you can co-opt them, and so the elite in Virginia, for example, in the colony, begins to give certain carrots to people of European descent saying things like, you know, we're going to let you own a little land, not much just a little and we're going to get rid of indentured servitude now you're free labor and by the way once you're free labor you get 50 acres of land just because you're free labor see so we're going to cut you in on this deal we're going to let you enter into contracts we're going to let you testify in court and here's the best of all we're going to put you on the slave patrol to keep those people in line right the idea was you're still going to get your clock clean we still don't like you we still aren't going to really empower you or change your economic subordination, but we're going to make you honorary members of this team, and you're going to help us keep those other people down. So they got a little taste of power, and it did effectively divide and conquer those coalitions. Those rebellions began to stop almost instantly. Every last one of us is vaccinated. Describing Hollywood as the base of the entire modern American culture, the group also claims to be speaking on behalf of humanity's better nature. It's about time people understood that we're the ones with the power and that our audiences are there to serve us, not the other way around, a spokesperson for the group said in a press release. We're calling for a general strike that would include every single person involved in making motion pictures in Hollywood, starting with the actors and celebrities themselves and encompassing companies in charge of making props, movie memorabilia and even souvenir shops. Rosie O'Donnell, Jennifer Aniston, Gwyneth Paltrow and Gene Simmons are among the dozens of artists, entertainers and activists who have attached their names to an effort calling for a month-long strike to encourage people they are calling vaccine dodgers to succumb to the jab. Millions of people in the US and around the world are filled with deep anxiety, fear and disgust. Our anguish is right and just. Our anger must now become massive resistance before anti-vaxxers become emboldened and failing to do your duty to humanity becomes normalized. Other Hollywood celebrities who have also joined in the campaign, however, are calling for an all-out strike that would span the entire movie industry in the hopes that such a move would urge ordinary Americans to reassess the decision to avoid the COVID-19 vaccine. Despite the mountain of evidence that has emerged in recent times that proved the shots are a public health hazard. Asked to elaborate on why the group is targeting Hollywood out of all the industries in the country as their bargaining chip, the spokesperson argued that Hollywood is, simply put, 
the base of the entire modern American culture. It is the foundation of the country, so to speak, the glue that's holding it together. And think about what happens when you destroy the foundation of a house. It comes crashing down, right? Well, that's exactly what's going to happen to America unless the unvaccinated realize how real the danger of that actually is and choose to voluntarily roll up their sleeves and get jabbed. And while we're on the subject between you and me, nobody wants Hollywood to stop doing its thing, but this is a necessary move. Percent for those under 65, it should have been business as usual, no lockdowns, no masks, no social distancing. Um, did we underestimate the side effects? Specifically, I'm talking about what appears to be a large number of young athletes dying early with uh, myocarditis. Is, 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 is there something concerning to you about that? It's greatly concerning. What we know here is that in, early in 2021, the federal government, White House and HHS, uh, initiated the COVID Community Core Program. And uh, the, the website is We Can Do This. Over $13 billion federal dollars flowed out to a variety of organizations, universities, churches, uh, uh, ethnic groups, the NFL and sports teams to promote the vaccines and actually drive mass vaccination. The NFL prominently took them. And then it went on from there. It's really been uh, now a disaster. Uh, since the COVID Community Core Program, the FDA says the vaccines cause myocarditis. The sports leagues in the summer of 2021 mandated the vaccines. The NFL specifically mandated the vaccine from August of 2021 to March of 2022, eight months. They declared 95% of the athletes have taken the vaccine. Then the NFL pulls the vaccine and all the COVID protocols as if COVID doesn't exist anymore in March of 2022. And now we have a sudden death on the field. We know in cardiology, if there's heart damage, if there's myocarditis, we cannot let them play on the athletic field because it'll trigger a cardiac arrest. Dr. McCullough, talk to me about the attack against people like you who were recommending treatments like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. It's the subject of our book, Courage to Face COVID-19. Uh, what we know there in the first year of the pandemic, we are learning about hydroxychloroquine, corticosteroids, aspirin, blood thinners. We started to quickly realize that we needed four to six drugs to use in combination. And there were no other uh, oral drugs in that space. There was nothing else to use as an outpatient. Second year of the pandemic, we have ivermectin come in with very strong data, including the ICON study published by Roster and colleagues from Florida, four hospitals, a wide range of use of ivermectin, inpatient, outpatient, 50% reductions in mortality, published in CHEST, the best journal. So ivermectin should have become a community standard. What we had is we had an incredible campaign initially against ivermectin and then against uh, against hydroxychloroquine, then ivermectin, but it didn't stop there. There were uh, there was active undermining of monoclonal antibodies, of virucidal nasal sprays and washes, corticosteroids, colchicine, uh, even Paxlovid was undermined by the CDC, Molnupiravir not mentioned. Any form of treatment was actively undermined by government agencies. Doctor, have you been vaccinated? And what do you tell your patients about the vaccine? No, under no circumstances would I take the COVID vaccine. Now, prior to COVID-19, I had taken all the vaccines. And, you know, as a doctor, I take some additional ones and I've traveled. I've, I've taken uh, <clears throat> ones required from overseas. But the COVID-19 vaccine is emergency use authorized. It's a genetic mechanism. Uh, what we've learned is it doesn't leave the body. Uh, it stays in there. We think permanently it's producing the, the Wuhan spike protein, which causes disease. We know the vaccine now gets into the heart, the brain, the nervous system, the adrenal glands. Everything we've learned about the vaccine since its release is not good. And boy, am I glad I didn't take it. Now, doctor, I'm, I'm not going to sue my doctor for malpractice, uh, but I'm over 65 years old. I have high blood pressure and I have a rare blood condition, a JAK2 mutation. And he strongly recommended that I get the, the vaccine. Did I get bad advice? Yeah, I think early on we didn't know. I was neutral on the vaccines as they came out. I certainly wasn't going to jump in there and take it. Now, I'm 60. I have high blood pressure and atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. I didn't consider myself high enough risk. Now, <clears throat> I've had senior citizens, people in their 90s, 80s, you know, in general, people who are so frail that they weren't going to survive COVID, those could be the ones that would initially consider it. I estimated maybe 2.7 uh, million Americans would take a vaccine, but not people like you or me. Uh, you, you know, with our, our treatment protocols are so good. Uh, we know now the virus is mutated, it's far more survivable. There simply isn't 
a theoretical benefit now of taking a COVID-19 vaccine. Give me your take on masks and social distancing. Yeah, I've never recommended general masking. We, there are now 12 randomized trials of public masking, too, in COVID. They've all failed to stop prevent of respiratory illnesses. Even an N95 mask study in healthcare workers, that didn't work. Uh, so what the CDC recommends now is actually what I think is right, is we should only wear masks when we're coming face to face with COVID in a healthcare setting. Uh, we should have never had public masking. And I think there was far too much conversation on this. Masking became a national preoccupation and we weren't focusing on treatment. Doctor, did you get COVID? I got COVID in October of 2020. Uh, I went through a multi-drug treatment protocol uh, sponsored and approved by the FDA, uh, sponsored from Research Center in California. So I did the right thing. I took hydroxychloroquine in a research study. I developed pulmonary involvement uh, and uh, I, I did recover. I was not hospitalized and that was with the earlier versions of the virus. And then in, in context, I had a second version of uh, probably the Omicron infection in December of 2021, and that was mild and self-limited. Bottom line, Dr. McCullough, last question. Vaccine, more harm than good? At this point in time, uh, on December 7th, 2022, I co-moderated the U.S. Senate panel on this, chaired by Senator Ron Johnson, assisted by Senator Roger Marshall. I made the conclusion the vaccine should be pulled off the market, all of them. They're not safe enough for human use. By assent, the group agreed. The calls have gone out now in the UK Parliament, Australia, in India, in the EU Parliament. Worldwide, the vaccine should be removed from the market. Do you know whether or not your social media platforms were suppressed or, or bottle capped in some sort of way? I, I On Twitter, I, there was active unfollow programs, shadow banning and blacklisting. Uh, I had one of the top doctor accounts. I was temporarily suspended for two months, and then there was a vote on Twitter. It was 98 to 2. Let Dr. McCullough back on. I'm back on, and my following is growing. Elon Musk has, uh, I think, liberated things on Twitter. The jury's still out on whether or not the FBI agents and CDC are out of Twitter. It's greatly concerning government agencies were shaping and promoting a false narrative. Final question, Dr. McCullough. Do you think we'll be getting an apology anytime soon from the CDC or Dr. Fauci? I anticipate no apologies whatsoever. In Fauci's department notice on the CDC uh, NIH website, uh, he makes no mention of COVID as if it doesn't exist. It's the strangest departure notice I've ever seen. I anticipate stonewalling, uh, lots of investigation, uh, lots of answers like I can't recall. Well, given you mentioned investigation, one more quick one, if you don't mind. Uh, when will we find out exactly where the coronavirus came from and what is your suspicion? My suspicion is that uh, the published papers in the peer-reviewed literature by the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill uh, in Nature uh, Communications and Proceedings of the National Academy of Science in 2015, they lay it out for us. This is U.S. research. Uh, SARS-CoV-1 was engineered into SARS-CoV-2 by an academic consortium. The work was done in Wuhan, China contracted to the lab. That's all in the peer-reviewed published literature. The real question is, was it released intentionally or was it a laboratory accident uh, and it came out of that biosecurity annex in Wuhan, China? And what do you think? I personally think it was a laboratory accident. All the pandemic planning events that happened, including Event 201 and the sparse pandemic by Hopkins, they anticipated this was going to happen but around 2025, it seems like it's a few years too early and it probably explains why we had such a, uh, an uncoordinated response to everything. Dr. Peter McCullough, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Side of what's taking place. The organic people, the tribes, us, the ones look like me and you, mm -hmm. right? It's our turn to reclaim what they stole. And part of the process is moving from the corporate uh, jurisdiction of legal fictions and admiralty law back to the law of the land. The law of the land says that we are the original people from this land and we are matriarchal people. The law, the great law says that <clears throat> there's nobody in creation that has a right to interfere with mothers protecting children. 
That is a incorporation of the first law of nature and the second law of nature simultaneously. Yes, understood. Mm-hmm. So now we a lot of people are not aware that the United States corporate government is gone. In the process, the contingency in place is written in a FEMA document called Continuity of Government. This Continuity of Government tells us that if we use our system to restore our form of matriarchal government, that once we begin that, we activate the FEMA relief protocol, which pays for the local relief from the different areas across the land as the government transitions from London and the Vatican back to the people who belong here. Okay. Part of this part of this struggle <clears throat> is that the um, matriarchs had to have a system by which they can select chiefs on the land to be prepared to receive the new government and to tell the people about the rise of the matriarchs whose birthright is to the earth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so for the people on the short bus, what I'm saying is, this my sister's shit, and we here to give it back to them, whether they like it or not. Heard you. Okay, Heard now, you. this community government has an office where all of the tribal chiefs meeting at to receive all of the data, information, and to begin the process of rebuilding government. And this location is in the Cheyenne Mountains of Colorado. In the name of the institution, or the the, uh, bunker is Raven Rock. Okay. Okay, so the last uh, actual election that y'all seen was the January 6th fiasco. What that was about was we had to send somebody in to sink their battleship because they claimed that we crashed our landmass into the Plymouth. The Plymouth was the Mayflower. Mm-hmm. And with this, they levied a lien on the people and on the land, and they made a corporate merger between the Royal Moroccan Company and the Northwest Trading Company and the Virginia Company merged to become the United States um, Inc. This merger created the contract that's on the face of the dollar bill. Okay. So the contract been in all our face the whole time, but we never knew what it was. Once the contract is dissolved, then the people get to um, re-establish the law of the tribes on tribal land. It's all tribal land. It is. Okay, now, this is because we had a... um, mass war with the Spanish Armada that was invading in the islands and in Florida and the French was invading in what became known later as the Louisiana Territory. And the Califia Queens, which was more than one, and they were assaulted by the Spanish Armada who went around South America and sacked the West Coast. They told us that we came on slave ships and we was already here. They told us that um, we can't get reparations because we have no home. Now, my Pan-African studies and my conversation with African scholars has been real simple. They keep telling me the same thing that I already know. Y'all not from over here. Y'all native to over there. Yes. African scholars tell me that. So now I got to come back. Yes. So now I have to come back and tell our people, hey, 
They tricked us. They lied to us. Right? This ain't how this is supposed to operate. They are not even allowed to trade in our wealth. All they can do is stockpile it and create loans using it as collateral. That means that all the time they've been here pumping oil, they wasn't allowed to sell it on the open market. Mining coals, they weren't allowed to sell it on the open market. Mm-hmm. Mining gold, America has diamond mines and ruby mines and all that. This is the wealth of the land that belongs to our sisters. And is. Okay, now, Big Mama said, leave no stone unturned. My mama told me don't let nobody take shit from my brothers and my sisters. So now I'm here to make sure that y'all understand that we back to get y'all shit back to y'all and raise the matriarchy and protect our children once again. Okay, now, the situation with um, the Chiefs, Larry Hoover, um, Jeff Fort, which is Chief Malik Angel Bay from Chicago, um, Malachi York, um, H. Rat Brown, and so all of the political prisoners was part of a COINTEL pro operation mm-hmm. to enforce something called the most bloody and vile oath of the papacy, which we went over on this show before. Uh, if you want any of this information to pull up, Elder Capone. I'm about to get on their ass this time. I'm about to get on their wrong. The police can kill a man on camera and get qualified immunity. And I'm tired of beefing with my own kind. I'm trying to find some unity. Tired of the foolery. The system abusing me. I got to ride with the tool of me. This shit ain't cool to me. But I'll be damned if I let you niggas make a fool of me. So I keep two on me. Uh, I done came a long way from the block with breakdowns. Finally opened my eyes when I had my daughter. Got tired of them shakedowns. The way I survived the game is still pain in my heart. I got a lot to say now. And I'ma show my whole ass on these motherfuckers. I ain't about to play around. Whatever happened to freedom of speech, they telling niggas what to say now. When guilty ass don't want to hear the truth, try to act, defend the shit pitiful. If I was you, I'd be miserable. This war we fighting is spiritual. In other words, I'm doing God's work when I turn thoughts into artwork. My words fly like darts work, specifically designed to hit the target. They don't even want to teach history the way it's meant to be because the shit is heartless. I might not change the world, but it's a chance I can spark the brain that's going to get it started. Many die for me to walk like this, for me to talk like this, but the peace to Marcus. Got my eyes behind the scope, and I ain't taking number headshots. I got great aim, but my four five still came with a red dot. I got in this game, and I put this bitch in the headlock.